Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Stephen Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. I'm in my office thinking about how there were appearances of angels during the, the birth and the announcement of Christ uh, coming to earth. And all of a sudden, I'm sitting there and the hair stands up on the back of my neck. You get that feeling and you get that shiver that runs down your spine. And I, I, I always try to be real spiritual, you know, and I think, Lord, I think I could take a miracle. I tried that one time and then God did something and I realized I wasn't quite as ready as I thought I was. But I say that because tonight, as I'm standing here behind this pulpit, I feel the same presence of God. And sometimes I get mad at myself because I allow my five senses to guide me. My, my five senses are what uh, cause me to speculate about what's going on in my life and around me. But the greatest sense that we have is not our five senses, one of our five it's spiritual sense. It's the gifts of the Spirit. Discerning of spirits and discerning what God is doing and who's with us in this room tonight. And so when you realize that you're never alone, not just because God's with you, but there's a heavenly host that are with the church, it changes your whole perspective. And so tonight I, I look forward to sharing with you what the Lord's laid on my heart. I know we have some breakout sessions. By the way, Sunday, Sunday school. Wow. I, I thought the year before was the best. But every time these guys do Sunday school, I say that was the best. But the kids did a great job. There was a lot of work that went into it. Thank you. I thank those that came to see this presentation. They were, they were greatly affected by it. So thank you, Sunday school teachers. Thank you, kids. Thank you for being who you were. Can I say one more thing? You know what I liked about this Sunday school that I've never seen in any other Sunday school program in all the years that I've been alive, and that goes beyond the 47 years that I've been in the church, even in the ecumenical world, is they lived the message before they presented it. They, those pictures about how they went out and they ministered to people and they provided food for the needy, that lent credence to everything they did. Hallelujah. So, great testimony. All right. Um, if you are in a breakout session tonight and uh, you would like to leave it, this would be a great time to do it. I, I always, I don't like to talk about people because when I do, I always get into trouble. But Brother Rob, when you get up here and you're doing your thing and saying, whew, you know, I feel that tonight. I feel, I feel an unction here and I'm excited and I, I really feel, I think I'm excited and I don't like to say this because it's almost like telling a nurse on the floor that it's quiet tonight. You never do that. I got yelled at more than one time for saying that. But I, I really feel that God, God's got a message for somebody here tonight. And whether there's a thousand here or 
500 or 100 or 50, when I get a message, all I know is that it's for someone here. God wouldn't give me a message for someone that's not here. So, you can be seated because I'm going to talk a little bit before I get to my scripture. I, I was thinking about what I would title this, and I know I've got a call more than once, and they'll say, what did you call that? What are we going to call that? I don't know what to call that. What did you say? Well, tonight I wrote down what I want to call this. It's when our ex- expectations crash and burn. And I know that we're getting closer, only about a week away from Christmas. Uh, I thought it'd be really nice to do something along the line of the holidays. But I'd like to ask you a question to start with. Did you, anybody ever in this room, have one of those days when everything that could go wrong did go wrong? If not, you will someday. You, you, you got up that morning and you expected everything to fall into place. Well, I look at the Christmas story in the same light. You know, when we, we think about the concept of incarnation and how the incarnation wasn't something that was developed at the last minute, it was planned from the foundation of the world, even I think the incarnation was planned even before there was a man placed upon the earth. But God God saw that man would sin. He knew that his creation would fall and that he would have to deliver it from its terrible dilemma. So that he would have to come and robe himself in flesh and become a man and live among the very creation that he created. But, so I said that to say this, the incarnation or the birth of Christ was not an afterthought or something put together on the spur of the moment. We look at some of the Old Testament scriptures and prophets, such as Isaiah and Micah, who loudly proclaimed through their writings the arrival of the promised one. We all, we're all familiar with Isaiah in the ninth chapter, verse 6. Isaiah shouts it out. He says, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Now, he wasn't reading that in a monotone or writing it even in a monotone because you can't have that revelation without being excited. This one that was going to be born in Bethlehem was going to be wonderful. He was going to be the counselor. He was the mighty God. Now, Micah, he, he works in conjunction with Isaiah and God gives him another piece of that puzzle to write. And he writes in Micah, the fifth chapter, verse 2. But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, 
Out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Now, I'm mentioning these two scriptures for a purpose. The incarnation of God in flesh was the biggest event ever outside of Calvary recorded in scripture. To think that a God that was omnipotent and omnipresent that filled all space would come and incarnate a human body and deliver those that he loved from the penalty of sin. He came to a world that was cascading towards destruction with no hope. And he provided his personal and devoted intervention. God did not send someone else to deliver those that he loved. His coming was promised from the beginning of Scripture. Even as Jesus, or as, as God spoke to Eve, with her head down and ashamed in the presence of God because of what she'd just done. Even though her sin and actions reaped a terrible and long-lasting repercussion, not only upon her family, but on the entire human race, that day, God placed in the heart and mind of the man that he had created a hope, a hope of a better day, a hope of deliverance. He shall crush the head of the serpent. Genesis 3.16 Yes, Satan is the prince and the power of the air, but he is to fall and his head will be crushed. That was a promise. We all know the repercussions of the sin that day. How the earth changed. Life became more of a drudgery. And each year they waited. Year after year, they used to call out next year in Jerusalem. But it was roughly 4,000 years of waiting for that promise, for that hope, that deliverance to come. It was the message of hope to a generation, many dark generations. Now, when I look at the incarnation and I look at the birth of Christ, I, I sometimes like to look at the characters that are chosen. I like to look at the political climate of the birth of Christ. I like to look at the place of his birth. And then I look at all these things and I stand amazed as the story unfolds. The first character that I'd like to point out tonight, and I, I know you're all familiar with this story, we've heard it over and over again, but maybe tonight you might see something you haven't seen before. The first character I'd like to look at is a man named Zechariah. He's an elderly priest serving in the temple. Now, it's interesting because Zechariah had his own aspirations as a young priest. He'd been married probably to uh, Elizabeth for many, many years. The Bible doesn't say how long they were married. But one of the things that it pointed out that 
they had longed all those years for a child, especially a male child. They'd tried to conceive, they'd prayed, they'd fasted, they'd sought God for um, the miracle of birth. But year after year after year, nothing happened. There was no success, no child born. And then when I read in Luke, the first chapter, it says they had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive and they were both very old. <laughs> how, how old is very old, by the way? When I was 25, I thought 60 was very old. Then when I reached 40, I thought 70 was old. Now that I'm now I think 80 is old. But when it says that they were very old, it means that there was no possible chance for them, for Elizabeth to conceive. And so it was the day that the lot fell on Zechariah to work in the temple. The lot just happened, huh, by coincidence, for him to be in the temple that day, standing by the altar of incense, when things began to change. An angel, of course we know that angel's name, anybody can, can you tell me? Gabriel. Gabriel appears to Zechariah, and begins to speak with him. Luke 1. While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel said, Don't be afraid. Zechariah. I want you to remember those words because that Gabriel, that's not the only time he repeats that phrase. Don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Which one? There were probably a thousand prayers. The angel just mentions that God heard his prayer. When he talks to Isaiah, the, Gabriel says, God heard you from the very first day that you prayed. Sometimes when our prayers aren't answered right away and then they are answered, we wonder, well, did he hear the first one? God hears your prayer from the very first time you pray it. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son and you are to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. Isn't that the kind of prayer that he always praised? Wouldn't you want a child that would be great in the eyes of the Lord? Of course you'll have joy and great gladness. After all these years, 
this prayer has been made, you mean to tell me you're going to answer it when I'm 90 years old? You going to play baseball at 90? You going to shoot buckets with your child? Why in the world would you give me a child when I can't enjoy raising him and being an active physically active parent? Now, I don't know about you, but I'm a little older and I really don't relish the thought of Lisa getting pregnant and having another child. I'm sorry. I just, I just, I, I am more thrilled when my children have children because I'm no longer a father. I'm a, what do they say in German? Opa, German is Opa. I'm a grandpa. I'm really not into child raising at this stage of my life. Why, do you, why did you not answer earlier when I was prepared, you might have thought. This child, now I'm telling you this for a reason, because Zechariah, just like us, is only thinking about his condition, his situation, his time in life. Gabriel declares that this child is going to play an important part in the announcement and preparation of the Son of God. Gabriel is trying to send home the fact that this is more than an isolated incident. This isn't just one prayer that's being answered, that you've prayed. This child is going to be the answer to many prayers. This, the birth of this child is a much, plays a much larger and more divine purpose and plan than the scope of your little life. It's not about whether it's the best time in your life for you and your wife Elizabeth. It's about a greater and much larger scope than where you're at. And that's when, when we pray and we don't receive our answers right away, Sometimes I wonder if God is trying to remind us that that answer is bigger than just you. Look at Luke 1. It says, And he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. And he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. Now notice his response. Zechariah's response. Zechariah said to the angel, five words, how can I be sure? Well, first of all, look at where you're at and look at who you're talking to. What more do you need? How do I know this is going to happen? I'm an old man now, and my wife is also well along in years. Zechariah was so conditioned by disappointment, it was hard for him to accept the promise of God. Stop there and think about what I just said. We become so conditioned 
by our disappointment, then when promise knocks on the door of our heart, it's hard for us to accept it. Wouldn't you think that he would be jumping up and down, well, trying to jump up and down in circles? But he's saying, I don't understand. I don't think, how can I be sure this is going to happen? Isn't that the same thing that happened to Gideon? Isn't that the same thing that happens to most every one of us when God gives us a promise, when we've prayed before and answers haven't come? We don't want to get our hopes up, do we? This same Gabriel was the same archangel that spoke to Daniel and said, gave him the interpretation to his visions and to Ezekiel. And being a devout priest, no doubt he knew who this angel was because Daniel mentions the name of Gabriel. I, I do think that the writings of, of Daniel might have been something that they had written or, or read. He might have been familiar with the name. I, would, I don't think anybody in here in this room would not be familiar with the name Gabriel because we've read about him. So even though there might have been a more convenient time to get the answer to his prayer, for the world, it was the right time. Now, six months after this event, this same angel appears to a young lady named Mary, another participant in this drama. This young girl, probably 13, 14 years old, is a spouse to a young man named Joseph. Their eyes are full of stars and they've got visions of their future and she's already planning a large family. He's preparing a home for them to live in. They're consumed by the future, just like any young couple that's anticipating marriage. They have not yet consummated their relationship at this time. They're just a spouse to each other. Now, I want to go back. The angel's going to appear to Mary when she's by herself. And I want you to look at the manner of discourse that, that happens between them at his appearing. Just like Zechariah, the angel's excitement does not seem to match that of Mary, just like it didn't match Zechariah. And on Mary's part and on Zachariah's part, how do you wrap your head around the news of such an unexpected event all of a sudden appearing in your life out of nowhere? How do you, how do you digest that? How do you wrap your thoughts around it? Notice how he does approach her. Luke 1. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings! Favored woman, the Lord is with you. Now notice her response. She's confused. Yeah, and she's disturbed, confused and disturbed. Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Notice what he says next. 
when we're confused and we don't understand, we have a tendency to become afraid. When God starts to move in your life and he starts to make changes that you weren't ready for, you have a tendency to have fear come into your life. And he said, first of all, Mary, don't be afraid. The angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign for, over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Wow. How... Could you repeat that? She might have said, did you just say what I thought you said? I'm going to give birth to a son, and you're, I'm going to call him Jehovah's become my salvation, Yeshua? He's going to be great? He's the son of, of Elohim? The Lord God's going to give him the throne of my great, 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 great ancestor David, and he's going to reign... Over Israel, my son? Let me tell you a little bit about Mary. She's probably not very educated. Women in the, in, back in those times, they, they weren't educated in the same way that the males were. Of course, we know she's not married. She's certainly not wealthy, doesn't come from a wealthy family, and in true, uh, every true sense of the word, she lives really in the outskirts of obscurity. No one knows anything about her. She doesn't have anything that's really, that really causes her to stand out among others except integrity. And God sees something in this young girl that catches his eye, and he chooses to use this young woman as the vehicle of deliverance for the world. On Mary's part, this isn't how she had planned her new life. Go and look at her diary. It was, there's nothing in her diary that says she wants to be the mother of, of the Son of God. And really, is this a convenient time? You know, to be pregnant, Gabriel, you don't understand, without a husband... Not only is that humiliating, it's dangerous. I'm going to give birth to the Son of the Most High. Now, can you imagine your own shock? At not only the supernatural appearing, but the magnitude of the announcement. <laughs> Just like me, my mind would be racing out of control with all sorts of scenarios of things that might happen. I'd feel my chest tightening and I'd find it hard to breathe. And I could almost see Gabriel, okay, stop, Mary. Take a breath. Inhale. Hold it. Blow it out slowly. Don't be afraid. Calm down. It's all right. You're highly favored. God loves you. And I think God says the same thing to us. Don't be afraid. God loves you. 
And because he loves you, he will watch over you. And I'm at, that's not in the scripture. I'm actually adding that as my own personal comment. Don't you see, Mary, God has chosen you to bear the child of the Almighty because he knows that you, out of all other women, are able to bear it. Not only to bear the child, but to bear the responsibilities and those things that will come into your life because of his birth. She had a whole mess of mixed emotions, just like we would. She was excited. She felt honored. She was humbled. To think that God would choose her. I feel the same way. I feel humbled to think that of five point or six billion people in the world, that God would call my name and give me a promise that I would going to be brought into the bloodline or into the blood of Christ. But also, just like in many things, with honor comes hardship, and with hardship sometimes separation. The first challenge that she would face would be Joseph. What am I going to tell Joseph? I thought about this in my mind. I've played this scenario out. Oh, by the way, Joseph, uh, I just want to tell you I'm pregnant. Can you imagine that sentence coming to someone that loves you? But don't worry, don't worry. Um, It's just the Son of God. I'm pregnant by the Holy Ghost. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh uh-huh. It must, have, it must have really ripped his heart out. He wanted to believe, but how do you wrap your head around that? She was probably thinking, what if he doesn't believe me? What is he going to do? Will he walk away? All my dreams, everything I've planned. I didn't ask for this, but yet I'm glad to have it happen. I'm afraid of what's going to happen. But this was the Son of God. This was the Savior of the world. And doesn't that trump my own aspirations? Doesn't God's will in my life, in the drama of life, trump my own goals and aspirations? Wow, to think as she was pregnant what did she think about? Well, just think this child is going to be subject to my, my authority, to my child rearing. I'm going to nurse him. I'm going to burp him. I'm going to change him. I'm going to raise him. The son of God. Can, how, do you, how do you reconcile all that stuff? She's only 13 years old. She's still a child herself. And even though after a while she was excited, little did she know the hardship in her future that this relationship that would develop as this God in a body grew up. Think about if anybody that's ever lived, I don't think anyone had more of an intimate relationship with Christ than Mary. She would be there when he was born. She would hold him in his arm, her arms. She would raise him as a child. She would teach him 
how to, how to speak and catch him when he fell the first time. She'd be there at his first miracle. She'd be there as he ministered throughout the countryside. She'd be there at his death. She'd be there at the tomb. She'd be there at the resurrection. And then she'd see him at the ascension. I don't think any other person on earth could say that they had more intimate, not only physical relationship, but spiritual insight than Mary did. She, at the, I'm, I'm sure that she never realized all the things that were going to come into her life because of the birth of this child. Now let me ask you a question. Don't you think that God had evaluated his choice? His choices? Don't you think that he had taken the time to choose the participant in the story of the ages? He who lives in eternity and has no end nor beginning, don't you think that he might have planned out all these things? Would I drop my kids off? And if you've got a child, would you drop your kid off with someone you didn't trust? Or someone you thought that wasn't capable, capable to watch your child and didn't have their best interest, your child's best interest? You would never do that. In like manner, God has chosen you to play a part in these last days. It wasn't a decision he made at the spur of the moment. It wasn't an accident. He who lived through time saw who you were going to be and who you are. And he said, you've not chosen me, I've chosen you. He called your name. And he entrusted you with a mission that would affect and change the world. When he came into my life, it wasn't really a convenient time. Matter of fact, the climate of my life when the Lord started to speak to my heart was a terrible time. It seemed that everything that could be shaken in my life was being shaken. But that was the time that he came and grabbed my hand and pulled me close to his side. And he nurtured me like a mother would nurture a child and held me close to his side. And it was there when my fear that I began to feel the heartbeat of God all around me. I, as I'm sitting here, I, I'm thinking about the most precious times that I had with my kids. And as a father, mother, you'll probably relate to this too, is when I would take Jason or Amy when they were just infants and I would place them on my chest, my bare chest, where their heart was beating next to my heart and I could feel their breath breathing on me. I, unless you've ever done that, you never really know how peaceful and calming and powerful that moment is. That's what salvation is. It's when your heart feels the heartbeat of God and your soul feels the breath of God breathing inside of you and all the fear melts away. 
And tonight, God's still reaching out to me, and he's reaching out to you, telling me the same thing that Gabriel told Zechariah, and he told Mary. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. The mission is great. But with great struggle, there's great reward. And that which you're carrying inside of you, John 14, John 14 says that that day you shall know that I am in the Father, ye in me, and I in you. As God, the Holy Ghost, conceived in the womb of Mary, God has conceived in my heart in a different way, but just as, as powerful. When I was filled with the Spirit of God, God came and lived inside of me. And when I felt the conception, that experience of birth inside my life, I felt the same anxiety, realizing the great event that had just taken place. The night that I received the Holy Ghost, as ignorant about Scripture as I was, I knew that something great had happened inside of me. Only a few weeks Never a Bible study. I knew that night when I spoke in tongues and I was filled with the Spirit of God that there was a divine visitation inside my heart. And God said to me, yes, I'm investing myself in you. The Christmas story isn't something that just took place in Bethlehem. God is still delivering his people through us through the infilling of a spirit. Now, what woman in on the face of the earth would turn down the opportunity to have the Son of God in their womb and to raise the Son of God? I say, what person in his right mind in all the earth would turn down the opportunity to have God come and live inside of them and not be filled with the Holy Ghost. Wow! You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost comes upon you. I receive a name that's more powerful than any other name. I look at my life, I... Like Mary, I didn't have much of a pedigree. I didn't have the means to do a lot of things. I wasn't born into a well-known family of wealth and importance. Just like you, I probably grew up on the other side of obscurity myself. Some of you may be feeling that you're so old that things are just going to play out now that you're past 40. Do you realize, Brother Brown, at 40, what my family did to me? Do you remember that, Jason? Do you remember the basement in Plymouth? What gifts I was getting? Metamucil? They had black balloons at 40 years old? I remember that day, and I thought, really? No, friend, this might just be the beginning, no matter how old you are that God is going to bring out a new work in your life. Don't hang up the close for business sign on your life just yet. Because as long as you have breath, you have hope. And as long as you can talk, 
You can speak words that will change people's lives. It isn't by might nor by power, but by God's spirit, saith the Lord. You just might be surprised what's coming next. I've seen a lot of people put on the back burner of their lives the promises of God waiting for a more convenient time, a convenient time that really never comes. Some of us develop the attitude that says, well, it's just easier for the young people to do it. It's getting more difficult for me to proceed in the way that I used to. Well, friend, you don't understand. It's not by your ability. It's not how old you are or how young you are. It's by who is inside of you. Well, how do you think it worked out for Mary and Joseph? And I'm going to wrap this up in a little bit, so just hang on. Joseph himself had his own visitation. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and told him to take on to Mary his wife, for that which was conceived in her was of the Holy Ghost. God takes care of your problems. Do you realize how many nights Mary stayed up and couldn't sleep? She tossed back and forth. How am I going to tell Joseph? How do I explain this to him? And then all of a sudden, an angel of the Lord just comes to Joseph, and and he does in one moment what Mary was afraid could never happen. So why do I fret? Why do I worry? Because God can do those things that I can't, and he oftentimes does. Well, how did, the, how did life work out for the royal family? Wow. You look at the times that Christ was born, the political climate was in turmoil. Augustus Caesar's, he's having power struggles. He's trying to get establish a strong identity, and he sends out a decree that all of the families of the Roman Empire would gather together for a census, and they had to return to the, the town of their origin. That timing of the decree couldn't have come at a worse time. Mary was almost at the time of delivery. Why didn't it come two years earlier or three years later? Can you imagine the trip from Nazareth to Bethany? Anybody know how far that was? Google Maps. Believe it or not. The trip was 90 miles traveling south along the flatlands of the Jordan River. Then they went over the hills surrounding Jerusalem, and then they went on to Bethlehem. 90 miles, nine months pregnant, riding a donkey and walking. It was a grueling trip by anybody's standard. Now, Let's, let's look at the story again. We already know that God had planned this event, event from the beginning of time. Had he forgotten that the decree was going to be made at the time that Christ was going to be born? Had he not taken into consideration that he might need a reservation at the inn down in Bethlehem? Didn't he think that there'd be a lot of travelers out that night and the place might be packed? You mean... God doesn't take care of the details. My friend, you need to turn, open your eyes. The details are all around us. 
atoms and neutrons and electrons and everything spinning around in perfect harmony. You don't think that he forgot to make an appointment? These were people that Gabriel said were highly favored of God. Well, wouldn't you think that the highly favored of God would have had a room that night? Can you see Joseph as he's walking aside alongside that little donkey and Mary's starting to go into contractions and she's starting to cry out? Can't you see how Joseph is feeling? See, in the Christmas story, sometimes we don't feel the element of what's really taking place, the panic that's in Joseph. We've made it. We've made it to Bethlehem. Just as she's about to deliver, she's screaming out. I've just got an imagination. I know that she delivered the night that they got there. I'm not that far off. I know how long my wife's delivery was with, with Jason. It wasn't an hour to two hours. It was a long event. He saw Mary's discomfort. He heard her cry out for help. Joseph banged on every single door he could find. He pleaded, he begged, he requested that someone open up their home to let him in so that his wife could deliver their first child. And when all was said and done, the very best thing that he could get was a cave, a hole in the ground with no windows, no ventilation, a place where they kept animals. It was damp. This is the place that God prepared for his entrance into the world, a place of obscurity. None of this makes sense to our human reasoning. However, God has a plan that exceeds the scope of our limited view of place and time, and situation. They couldn't understand it. But then when John was born, and John was saved, John wrote in John 1, he came onto his own and his own received him not. Even when he came into the world, he was not received. Even when the Son of God was born on earth, there was no place for him except a cave. Isn't there a message in the birthing story of Christ? The heavens rejoice. The, the shepherds on the hillside see the choirs of heaven singing and rejoicing at the birth of Christ, but all that man can offer is a cave. And I think tonight about how we welcome him. You know the first thing that's going to shock you when you get to heaven? Is the one you've been worshiping. When you begin to see God in his glory, eye has not seen, ear has not heard. Even in your wildest imaginations, you could never imagine the glory of God. And yet this is the kind of welcome we give such a one as that. 
God has a plan that exceeds the scope of our limited view of place, time, and situation. And as those angels sing and the glory of God shines down upon the earth, God has planted the seed of deliverance for those that are looking. You know who came that night? Well, in the first two years, the wise men came. You know why? Because they were looking. The shepherds came because they responded to the glory of the angels singing and the proclamation that the Son of God was born in Bethlehem. Those that came were the ones that responded to the call. The wise men following the celestial signs in the heavens to the place of his birth. It isn't always easy for some people to understand how God works how, or how God plans. We have ways that we would like to do things and then there's the right way that God does them. God has a plan for you. He may not cater to your convenience and he may not come to you in a timely manner, but he will come at the right time. A time that will affect not only your life, but the lives of those that are around you. So in closing tonight, stop trying to understand his timing or his motives for his love will always lead you through to the place of the delivery of promise. I, I, I think I, I spoke on this topic because the last three weeks, and I'm not going to tell you what's happened, for a long time I've, I've been wrestling with a prayer that I prayed and it's been, it's just been a, a, a struggle and a burden that's kept me up more nights than I want to, I want to remember, and it seems that every time I think the thing that I've been praying for is going to happen, something stops it from happening, and I'm disappointed. And then a week later, I find out that it was better that it happened that way. It was like almost a progression. I, was, I had it planned. It didn't happen to my plan. I was disappointed. I thought it was going to be worse than it was before, and all of a sudden, a week later, I find out, wow, this is better that it happened that way. And so today, I'm actually on a high because I think I, I've, I've met a turn in the road. But you know what? Tomorrow, if it changes and it isn't what I thought it was today, it'll be better. It'll work. All things work together for the good of those that love God. To them, we're called according to his purpose. So stop throwing in your hat out the door every time you have a problem. Because it's going to work out better if you'll just be patient because God will work it out for the good. Look how good Calvary turned out. None of us would be here tonight if it wouldn't have been for Calvary. Let's stand together. Never fails. I finish and then the song comes. I laugh. I just, it just, there is a time, there is a place, and there is a season. God made us and gave us a place, and he has a reason.
that's, just, that's part of a song, by the way. I'm not going to sing it. I got into trouble the last time. But this is the time. This is the place. And you're the participants. You're the actors in the play. You're here tonight because God chose you to play a part in what's happening in the world. Now why don't you to be the best part? I don't want to say actor because we're not acting. Why don't you be the best participant in the role that you've been called to play? And realize that it may not benefit you, but it will benefit the body. So Lord Jesus, tonight... Um, I just ask, Lord God, that you'd send a light, a seed of light, into the soil of our faith, and that you would cause a plant to grow from the words that were spoken from your word tonight that will produce fruit that will feed those that you have led into our life. Make the soil of our life fertile, Lord. And help us to stand fast even when the sun doesn't shine. And I'll give you all the praise and all the Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at AbundantLifeChurch.org.